Okay. And we are live. If you can just hide your, your microphone real quick. Um, so, yeah, uh, real quick. I'm going I'm to mute you real quick. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, welcome to this month's coffee chat. My name is Justin. I am a community member, and I also run the Monero Community Workgroup. This is one of the monthly events that we have, so I'm glad that we have you on uh, to watch us. And also, I'm really happy that we have a lot of people on today. It seems like there's a lot of excitement around this recent hard fork, um, this recent network upgrade, and so it's awesome to see all of you here um, to watch us. So hopefully the stream is going through. <laughs> uh, if we can go through the list of everyone introducing themselves. So uh, if you want to start with M2049R, if you want to introduce yourself real quick. Okay, thank you so much. How about going down the list, at least for me, we have Rayrar. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, well, let's see, next we have Need Money 90. Awesome. This is your first coffee check, correct? Okay. Yeah, we're glad to have you on. Okay. Uh, XMR. Yeah, thanks. To have, nice to have you again. Uh, XMR Scott. Yeah, we. If people have watched other ones, they should recognize you since you've been on all the past few. So it's great to continuously have you on. Uh, next, Arctic Mine. Okay, so you're just a, we can, for me, your audio is maybe a little weak, but we can still hear you a little bit. Uh, so, just to reiterate, Arctic Mine is a—he's uh, a—he's on the core team of Monero. He's been around since the beginning, or at least since uh, you know they took it over from Banco for today. And oh, darn it! Okay, everyone, give me a second. I hope this works. Looks like, there we go. Okay, so I, I fixed the issue. Start all over. Okay, so the stream is going through. Fix the issue. Sorry, everyone. So we're going to have to go through introductions again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We, uh, to everyone that's watching, okay, we so typically use a direct Jitsi library, but uh, for some reason it's not quite working today. We, uh, it looks like we're going to have to switch to our own Haitian version of Jitsi to make it work properly. So I've kind of put together this, uh, 
your own hosting version of 50 yeah, and make I, I put together this. So I'm kind of screen capture, so it's not as good as it could be. Put together. Um, so let's go into the list. Uh, if you can just rename yourself and chat so I recognize yeah, who you are. So you're not all good, sir. Screen and capture, if we can have so an item the 2049R uh, reintroduce so yourself. Let's go into the list. Uh, if you can just rename yourself and chat so I recognize who you are. So you're not all good, sir. Yeah, hi, my name is Vistini. I'm the developer of Monorio. Glad to be here. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, then we also have Diego. Yeah, my name is Diego. You could, you know me as Rarar, maybe. Maybe you don't know me at all. There was a guy in uh, Monero Market's IRC channel, didn't know who I was, so I told him to check out my mixtape. He'll know immediately after that. Uh, but no, I just do some design uh, website stuff at Monero community stuff so okay thank you rare it's always nice to have you on uh, then we also have someone joining us for the first time for this coffee chat we have need money 90 can you introduce yourself real quick yeah hey uh i'm need money 90 uh i help out with uh XMR trader and various things in the community um yeah good to be here and there's also an echo uh that's happening oh wait no never mind Perfect. I think it's from Arctic Mine a little bit. There's a little bit of an echo there. But, uh, and there's also an echo. It's, it's not as bad as it could be, but thank you so much. Uh, I need money for joining us today. It's good to have you on. I've you around for, uh, I believe, the entire time I've been on so it's great to talk to you directly for us. Um, Glad to be here. Yep. And then we have XMR Scott. I believe the entire Yep. Uh, name's Scott. Do random things around the community like presentations. Yep, so thanks again, XMR Scott. He's been at all the past ones, so if you have watched this in the past, XMR Scott is always there. Then we have Arctic Mine. Yep, so thanks again, XMR Scott. He's been at all the past ones, so if you have watched this in the past, XMR Scott is always there. Then we have Arctic Mine. Hi, I'm Arctic Mine. Um, I'm a core team member, and I've been with Monero since uh, 2014, so I kind of see the history of Monero since it's just after its birth. Okay, yeah, thank you so much, Arctic Mine. Uh, if you would do us a favor, I, I apologize, but if you could do us a favor and mute yourself just because of an echo when you're not talking, it would make things yeah, a little bit better, so much, okay? Arctic Mine. Uh, if you would thank you. do us a favor, I, I apologize, but if you could do us a favor. Um, and then Sarang, can you introduce yourself, please? Yes, hello, I'm Sarang Nother, and I work with Monero Research Lab on some of the math and crypto stuff, and I have my fingers in a lot of pies including a spy now. Yeah, always glad to have you on. We've had you in some past ones. It's always great when you're on because you can, we can always- It's great when I have access to a uh, laptop that's not a Chromebook. <laughs> yes, uh, we can always direct the more specific research questions to you. So it's not me just trying to answer some questions I don't quite as understand perhaps as well as you do. So, Perfect. Um, you can ask me questions I don't understand. Yep. And if you're in the chat too, make sure to ask us questions. We'd be happy to go through uh, and answer them. Uh, but most of this is pretty informal. We're going to be talking about our perceptions of Monero's network upgrade, which just happened yesterday, and a lot of other things about Monero. So whatever you want to ask about, feel free to ask and we'll get to it if we have time. And then finally, we have Seth. If you can introduce yourself, please. Hey. Yeah, I'm really a, kind of a, a big fan of the project, uh, kind of uh, summarized uh, some of the uh, last uh, coffee chats there, and you really appreciate uh, being invited. Okay, yeah, thanks, Seth, so much. Uh, so I have noticed Seth was participating a lot on some of uh, 
like throughout the community. And so I just invited him to come on and join us here. So uh, thanks everyone for making your making the time here. I really appreciate it. So um, let's see. So we had the Monero network upgrade yesterday, and it was pretty. Um, it, it was interesting because it was the first time that we had a, a significant. Um, by significant, I mean one party, really. But we had some people that raised some contention to the hard fork, hard fork uh, that they said, we are against the ASIC change, that we're against the change of proof of work, so we're going to call ourselves Monero Original, Monero Classic, Monero Zero, even though it's the sixth version of Monero already. Um, so that was a little interesting to see in the community for the first time that we had um, a little bit of a split, and it's to reiterate, I, I do not think, or I have no reason to believe the vast majority of the community has split. What I think has mostly happened is one party has disagreed with the decision that the community has made and have started their own set of chains and kind of caused confusion in the process. So this is something that uh, we're, we'll probably have to see going forward, unfortunately especially if, we, if Monero wants to commit to changing the proof of work every six months. Um, but does anyone think that this sort of uh, situation is really, like, has a potential for large damages to the community, or that this is something that, for the first time, it's new, so everyone's a little worried about it, but in the future, as this continues happening and nothing changes and everything keeps moving on as it always has, that people will be kind of treated as white noise? So it appears from what some people have said that a lot of these forks may be associated with ASIC miners themselves, which means that now that we basically said that we are not interested in ASIC centralization, that those people will naturally move away so that their hardware doesn't become obsolete. And if anyone knows more about what they suspect that to be, please chime in. But if that's the case, it would lead me to believe that this is more of kind of a one-time pull-away issue by folks who already own that hardware. Um, and by committing to changing the proof of work as often as we need to, um, I think part of the goal was to to kind of knock ASIC miners off to reduce centralization, but part of it was also to discourage further future ASIC development that would lead to centralization. So I think that once we've kind of taken care of that and ripped the Band-Aid off, um, my my hope is that that will kind of put us onto a kind of onto a right track with the rest of the community going forward. But I'd like to hear other input on that too. Yeah, I'd like to, to speak on this for just a bit. I think a lot of people um, don't understand kind of the end goal of where we want to end up with the proof of work because the, the proponents of the other side that say um, it adds an element of centralization itself to hard fork every six months, they are correct because it, it adds a reliance on the core team and on uh, continued maintenance by a select group of people. So if you think of, uh, let's say, by some... Uh, miracle sometime soon, Monero becomes the, the global currency, right? A world reserve currency or whatever. Then that means that we've got the seven people of the core team kind of as the leaders of the, the financial world in a sense, which is very centralized. So long term, the long term goal is to eventually not need to do this. And I'm not talking like 10 years in the future. I don't know, 50 years, 100 years in the future. Who knows, right? The long term goal is eventually to stop hard forking because it does add centralization. And the only time when we can do something like this is when ASICs or um, 
they become commoditized or however you say that word you know i hope i said it correctly basically everyone can have one you know everyone does have one and at that point it's not necessary to keep forking and keep forking because uh, now it's an even playing field again, which is what we're trying to do with CPUs and GPUs, which mostly everybody has. We're trying to keep it as an even playing field. So everyone who thinks that we're going to just be hard forking forever, uh, that's not ultimately the goal because that does lead to centralization. What we're trying to do is hard fork while ASICs are concentrated in the hands of other people. And it becomes tricky because how do you define that? Who defines that? Well, now ASICs are widespread enough that we don't have to do that anymore. You know, so it, there, there's still a lot of human elements in, in here uh, that have to be considered. But, you know, for the time being, we're, we're committed to forking away from ASICs just because it gives an unfair advantage to a select few. But kind of long term thinking way down the road, we're hoping to not have to do this anymore. And I think a lot of people misunderstand that. Yeah, the, the goal isn't to just say we hate ASICs. Um, the goal the reason that the hard fork has happened, or the proof of work change happened in this hard fork upgrade, which is planned and typical, um, is to say we, as a community, are against certain parties having significant control over the, the mining algorithm. And so there are people that are saying that, yes, this opens up to centralization, and I, I totally agree with you, uh, Diego. So I think that's a big concern going forward. Um, however, uh, if you just look at the status quo, we're still looking at the effects of how the hash rate are dropping, but it seems like the hash rate has dropped 75% um, is like a good estimate. And so if you kind of look at that, it seems like, why if, and you can't necessarily attribute all of that to ASICs, it's hard to attribute a certain amount to ASICs, but if ASICs had around 50% of the hash power, it means the network was not especially safe to begin with, especially if they were mining in secret, essentially. So there, there's a lot of discussion where, yes, we've made it more centralized, we made it less safe, but Monero was in a situation where we had these ASICs by one or two parties who were secretly mining in the background and we didn't know about it. The only time they announced that they had ASICs was after we had already announced a change. Uh, so. It's definitely interesting to sort of see that, um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the difficulty kind of readjusting downward um, so that we can mine blocks at normal speeds now. But I, it's it definitely creates a lot of situations where people have a lot of ideas where, how can we best solve this problem? Is it something where we can say, okay, in two years, this is the sort of mining algorithm we're gonna use and then just give as many ASIC manufacturers as possible like this algorithm so they can build their machines and hopefully there's a lot of competition. I don't know. And so that's something that we're going to sort of have to figure out. Does anyone else have anything to, they want to add about ASICs and uh, the best sort of egalitarian proof of work you should sort of have? Um, well, first thing anything they want to add about ASICs and... Uh, uh, for me, I had a couple things to mention. Um, it looks like Arctic Mine is having some connectivity issues. Is if you look at the hash rate of Monero zero. I am? Okay. Let's try again. Um, if you look at the hash rate of Monero zero, it's about somewhere on 72 to 75% of what the pre-fork hash rate was. 
And you can just go over to Minergate and see that. So I think that the chances that there was a single player over 51% before the fork are actually very high. I mean, that's the reality. I mean, you can look at also at Bitcoin, but there's a small increase there. Um, but it's not. So so I'm guessing somewhere around 70, 75% is pretty accurate for the drop. But Did I we have three or four ASICs? That, almost entirely that was ASIC. And one, the reason you can tell is because to look at the, at the hash rate of Monero Zero. For me, uh, weren't, weren't there like Monero three? Zero is or Monero original, whatever you want to call it, that on Minergate is basically the fork coin, the, the version six, and it's generating over 800 megahertz. For me, um, I believe that we had uh, three or four different manufacturers producing ASICs. Uh, so the claim that a single manufacturer would have had enough ASICs uh, built out to actually go and uh, have a 51% attack on the network for Monero itself, I actually think may have been slightly unlikely, even if they were uh, approaching those amounts. Just some of the analysis that I saw for Baikal and uh, Bitmain, etc., uh, did showed that there were enough different competitors in this space that uh, I think a 51% attack was unlikely nearing the, nearing the fork date. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, like I'm, I'm, what I can tell is that the ASIC component was around 75%. And just, that's just by looking at the hash rate of Monero Zero, or Monero Original, Monero C, or MC, or whatever you want to call it. So that's the, the ratio. And I think it's going to come in somewhere in that, in that area. Um, so whether it was one manufacturer or whether it was more than one, that's a different question. Or whether one actually had majority. We don't know. Yeah, I think the best thing you really can do to estimate what proportion of the network is from was from ASICs is just to look at what is the current hash rate on Monero, oh, Monero yeah. Classic, and really accept um, Because you, you have a situation where if anyone like, was running all the mining software and didn't update their mining well, software, zero. Well, that's what I'm saying. In you have a situation where if anyone well, you say basically is is that some of that is the people that were still mining on version six, um, and that's possible. But I think once the Monero hash rate reflects its reality, then the sum of the two should roughly equal the uh, pre-fork, assuming that people actually stay mining Monero Zero, which I seriously doubt, because if there's a little market for this, why would people just throw electricity at it? That's the other question. But I'm, I'm, I'm giving, I think that's an unreasonable estimate to say about 75% or 70%, at least. Yeah, I think it was definitely concerning. Um, something that we definitely needed to worry about in that case where we definitely on the network had a good number of, like, or at least ASICs compromised a good amount of network hash rate. And they had begun this process in secret. So I think that's just something like, 
I mean, if, I mean, if you really think about it, someone at the they might not have been trying to compromise the core of the network, but they at least were trying to profit off of it beyond what anyone else could have. Um, and that's concerning because it gives them the option to further attack the network in other ways. Does anyone else have anything they want to chime in on for uh, A6 discussions here um, that they want to talk about? Okay. I, I thought... Oh. Yeah, I do actually. I have I have one thing to say. Give me one second. Um, so, basically, I made a slightly controversial uh, decision on the uh, recent forks for XMR Trader. Um, I made a unilateral decision as a moderator to uh, remove mentions of any of the forks from our front page. Uh, and the decision there was because uh, none of these forks were stemming from legitimate technical criticism. Uh, they were declared by fiat by centralized entities that said this is what is and I don't think that we should be required to give them a platform to advertise on the place that uh, makes uh, gives them uh, the largest exposure to uh, people that are actually in their target audience. Um, I, I think having them in uh, discussion threads and daily discussions and stuff is uh, fine, I'm on the fence there, but as far as top-level threads go, I, I think as a community, we need to decide that these forks are malicious and that we shouldn't be giving them a platform. Uh, so this is this is going to be a controversial discussion on whether it constitutes censorship or not, um, because I, I do not believe that this is censorship. This is moderation. So, uh, yeah, just discussion for the future. Well, I think you made a good point, Need Money 90, and I think I read that post. You, you basically said because Monero has so many places of, of being able to talk, you know, XMR Trader is not the only one. We've got other Reddits, we've got Taiga, we've got, you know, GitHub itself, we've got, there's so many places for people to talk that um, if one person who runs one community, they, they're able to define the rules that that community operates on. And if people don't like it, it's not like all Monero discussion ever is completely just done. You know, like they, they have other options, they have other places. And that's the cool point, part about being part of a decentralized community is that, you know, you're free to start up your, you're free to start your own little Reddit. You're free to start your own little, um, you know, any, any alternative site anywhere. And people can just, people can come. You just got to get people to come to it and, and they can talk about whatever they want and no hard feelings, you know, no hard feelings. That's totally fine. Um, everyone is free to do what they want and if and the people that are that started specific circles they're free to do what they want with those specific circles and you know the fact that the fact that one becomes more popular than another does not necessarily dictate that all of a sudden that person has to you know abide by the, what what the community wants or something like that you know like well it's the one that you started or it's the one that he or she started so just let them do what they want and start your own and i think people are just too used to uh, centralized communities and centralized leadership having to do different, they're not used to being part of a decentralized community where, you know, in open source, they say, well, if you don't like it, go ahead and fork it. That's totally fine. Just go ahead and do it. And the same thing applies to our community discussions and, and things like that. If you don't, if you don't like the way something is, is being done, go do so, go do your own thing. Go, that's fine. Go, no hard feelings. Just, just do your stuff and don't whine about it. So it, it's, it's a mental shift for people that, that they're not, they're not used to yet that the power is in their hands for to have the discussions that they want to have. And if they want to discuss, go for it in another area. 
Yeah, um, just to, I guess, add a little bit to that. So I need money. I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, like, I understand the pain of having to deal with that sort of discussion. And I, I, I agree with your decision to have some restrictions on giving your, your what is essentially a platform that you moderate and your, your yeah, what is a platform that you moderate and allowing them to just use it to kind of create chaos because that's at the end of the day what they want to do. They want to make it so there's a million Monero, et cetera, 3,000 different Moneros available so that people don't know how to distinguish between each other. And I think, I think it's definitely fair to say that if a, a coin is not it is, it's, so if, if someone has like a legitimate concern and forks away for legitimate reasons, I, I think there might be some allowance for discussion, of course. But I think that if they forego a lot of the protections, if they are essentially acting as an attack on the Monero network, if they do not include any of the key image reuse mitigations, if they do not include any of these basic steps, if they don't include replay protections, then they are acting as a sort of attack and they probably should not be given a significant voice. And so I, I agree that, I mean, you can't prevent them from speaking all over the place, but it doesn't mean you necessarily need to encourage it on your specific trader platform. And, and we have plenty of, of venues and places to talk about technical deficiencies and things people want to improve in Monero. So I think it's important to differentiate the idea of forking to a new project that is then not XMR versus talking about deficiencies and things you want to improve in XMR. And we have platforms for that. So I, I think it's important to differentiate between those and say that it's not like we're shutting out criticism. I mean, we're decentralized and we talk internally about things that we think could be better and things that we absolutely can't stand about the way things work currently and that's how we improve. Okay, cool. Does anyone else have anything they want to talk about? Uh, or else, if not, we can introduce binary. I was sort of going to raise a question on this. Okay. Because one of the arguments okay, again. Does anyone else have anything they want to talk about? Uh, or else, if not, we can introduce binary space here. No, it's just on this moderation question. Um, and I think a balance can easily be found, and, and, and it's probably going to be reached. But the question that I look at it is sometimes the decision might be that what you want to do is literally sell the thing into oblivion. I suppose, as a way of dealing with one of these folks. And I think that's a valid discussion on its own merit, quite, quite in, independent of the, of the merit of the folk itself. So you, you have a situation, what about the bear? And this is kind of what I'm asking. What about those who say, okay, we're going to deal with the folk by selling it? Yeah, so that's an interesting discussion. I, I believe when... We had Monero V was like the first one that introduced this idea of let's fork Monero um, from the current location, which had not really been done before. Um, and we had a lot of discussion there about what really to do. And it was kind of our discussion was that we still typically wanted to discourage general use of it if they did not have the basic privacy protections in place. Now, luckily, uh, since the 12th release came out, the software has come a long way, and the GUI now includes a way for you to uh, blackball certain output sets where you could uh, create your ring signature such that it's the same on both forks. And so I think that 
if uh, if the, the the problem though is that the most most projects that are scams probably don't care. Um, so one of two things are going to happen. So either they're going to include the privacy protections, in which case uh, I, I suppose the best thing you can do is include it by default, so they have to manually remove it. So hopefully they don't know what they're doing and then they leave it in, right? Um, but either it's 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 there and then of course you can continue to sell it. But I think that if someone like really wanted to compromise the network, what they're gonna do is they're gonna fork off the current position and they're going to literally remove the ring signatures feature. They're going to make it so that uh, for transactions on that network, it will be mandatory ring size one so that no other decoys are used. And if that's the case, then that could be damaging to the network. Even if you plan to just sell it, you're still hurting Monero. So I think, unfortunately, it's something that kind of needs to be approached in a case-by-case -case basis still until, uh, until we have like a much better way of dealing with these sort of chain splits. Does anyone else have any thoughts on that? I mean, I look forward to the day when we can do away with ring signatures and key images altogether. But, you know, the math doesn't quite exist to do that in a way that we want yet. Um, so until then, I mean, we have to keep on working on mitigations like this as much as possible and just being very aware of what the dangers of these forks are and how people can keep themselves safe. Until such time as we can just move away from this entirely and hopefully build on some technology that you know, can allow people to do splits as they want without any kind of compromise. Yeah, that's definitely an idea. I think that's just a shortfall we have of ring signatures. Um, and it's something we have to deal with. Like if someone legitimately has, or if a large portion of the community legitimately has a concern or a change they want to make, it's unfortunate for us to say, well, you can't because you have to hurt Monero if you do it. Uh, but like that's unfortunate and it kind of goes against, uh, it speaks a little bit towards giving an extra centralized power to the, to the main project, which there are still ways to fork away. And I think with the current key image mitigations that it it's a lot better than when we first had this discussion in January, but there's definitely room to be had or improvements to be made. Okay, uh, Binary Fates, I wanna take this opportunity real quick if you want to introduce yourself um, because I noticed that you just joined us. Yeah, uh, hi folks, I'm Banary Fates. It's been around since uh, 2014. I'm uh, a member of the core team now and um, I'm often late, so sorry about being late today. Um, I, could, I could join. Maybe uh, just a quick word um, about the, the discussion about moderation on the key communication platform, uh, like the subreddit. I think in general, I see uh, where Need Money 90 is coming from. Um, I'm completely fine with that. And I also concur with the fact that uh, the other projects, they explicitly want to fork from XML. Um, they want to fork from Monero, but they don't claim to be um, Monero. They don't claim to have community support. They basically claim like Monero V that they will simply do it better. And I think it's up to them to set up their own platform of communication. Um, I'm, I'm fine with, um, you know, a certain level of censorship in order to protect people from scams. I would not, you know, give directive or I would not have an opinions that we should necessarily apply the same policy 
on every uh, communication platform. I think we should play it a bit um, because there's no best practice for that. Uh, so we need to be flexible enough. But um, as for the subreddit, I think I'm, I concur with the need money 90. And maybe just a quick word on um, what Arctic Mines said about, you know, selling the, the the fork coins, the scam coins, just for the sake of crushing the price. Um, I would not even give them that much importance personally. So I can just tell you what I will do personally, which is not touch them, not even for the sake of crushing the price. Button your fate. Yeah. No. <laughs> we'll give him maybe a few seconds and then uh, hopefully he can get back online. A necessary casualty. That's unfortunate. Okay, well, when he comes back in, uh, we can have him finish his thoughts. Yeah, he said he's lost connection to the YouTube chat. So, yeah, he's definitely lost his connection there. Um, I, I, I think we, we basically heard, uh, I mean, unless he had a, another avenue to go down, we, we, binary fate, just just in case you're wondering, we heard basically uh, what you were what you were getting across, I think, so. Is he back? Is he back, binary fate? Hey, sorry, I lost connection. Uh, I don't know at what point you, you lost me. You were just beginning your second point. On, in relation to Arctic Mine, you wouldn't you yeah. wouldn't even give them the importance of selling. I have a very bad connection. Uh, I just wanted to say that uh, selling provides volume, and uh, volume sustains price. So we should be careful not to give exchanges good reason to list these scams. Yeah, I think that's a really good point too. Is that if you so suppose the Monero community sets a precedent that when someone forks a coin, that we as a community strongly encourage people to dump it on a market. People or exchanges are likely to want to list it to take advantage of that quick, short-term uh, and very predictable uh, trading volume. And so I, I can at least understand the economics there. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's free money for exchanges, and it's very little effort to set that up, technically speaking. All right, this is just uh, my opinion, but I think we can move on from forks and ASICs and these kinds of things. Uh, we, there's some other questions in the chat about other things. Yeah, I'd be happy to discuss some of those. <laughs> I would like to address maybe a very short question, if that's possible. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> hmm, looks like he's having connectivity issues too. Oh, Everybody. You're, you're, okay. Looks like you're back. Want to address what you want to address? Okay, yes. Uh, I've seen uh, a couple of mentions on, on Reddit posts, but I haven't actually seen the issue addressed with uh, the forks, and especially Monero Classic or Zero. 
that we are actually the ones forking away and should be doing replay protection and whatnot. And I haven't seen an answer to this question, if there is one. So I would like to put this in the, in the room. Well, I mean, technically, all of our network upgrades are us forking away from the way that we did something previously. It's just that this is the way that we've established how we're able to make improvements. So I guess I would just say this is this is really no different than the way we did it before from that philosophical perspective, uh, just with the addition that one of the changes we chose to make was to reduce what we perceived to be centralization, which we're now confirming was, in fact, centralization. So I think I think that's kind of a false argument that they're making um, to try to maybe discredit the way that we have been operating for those who weren't already aware of it. Okay, thank you. I, is there anything else that you want to, uh, looks like you might still be having some connectivity issues, but um, if you have something in response, uh, you're, I mean, you're welcome to uh, discuss about that. Uh, I don't really like that yet. Um, okay, in that case, then, uh, Diego, do you want to carry the conversation on the way you uh, wanted, you wanted to bring up some more questions people had in chat? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so first of all, uh, I just want to give a shout out to Suray Nother. Uh, he could not, he could not be here. He he was trying to get on, but he's got a Chromebook and it, Jitsi is something and stuff like that was happening. So anyway, he he plans on being here next time, I think. I hope, but he wanted to be here. He's also part of the Monero Research Lab, um, and it's great that we have Suray here to answer the questions. But uh, are two PhDs better than one? Uh, you you can never really answer that question. Uh, but so uh, move, moving forward, we got we got a lot of um, questions in the chat about, you know, let, let's move on. Let's talk about some things like let's talk about incre increasing ring signatures. Let's talk about bulletproofs. Let's talk about, uh, uh, you know, Kavri updates. So actually, you know, Sarang, can I ask you, you're, you're the one that's actually most on top of this. Just just for everybody watching, where are we in terms of the bulletproof audits? Sure. So um, as people probably know, we did a fundraising effort to um, basically fund three audits was the community consensus, um, one of which was Kodelsky Security, one of which was Quark's Lab, and the other of which um, was an independent, non-company-affiliated review by the lead author on the Bulletproof's paper, uh, Benedict Wunz. And uh, those are all, we're basically in, in their queues right now. Um, those are companies that do a lot of different reviews and, and a lot of security work. So we are currently in their queues. Um, we'll be having most of that. See, Kudelski will be uh, starting theirs pretty shortly. Um, I'll have a, a phone call with one of their lead uh, lead reviewers, I think probably on Monday or a few days uh, after that, um, just to kind of finalize when they're going to be starting. But they'll be ready to start presently. Uh, Quark's Lab, um, they'll be starting in April is when we are in their schedule. And around that same time is when Benedict said that he would also be available. So they'll be putting in um, probably around 15 uh, person days into that effort and then working up some reports that they'll present to us. Um, those will all be made public. We'll make any changes that we feel are necessary. And then those changes, of course, um, as part of the code base, we made public. So um, the intent is then just to have everything be as up in the open as possible. Um, and the way that we made the agreements is that all that information um, can be made public. So the way that they internally end up running their reviews is really up to them. And we're all be making, um, I will be making myself available um, as well as anyone else to uh, give them any input that they need and answer any questions that they have. Um, but otherwise, we, we kind of let them do their thing. That's kind of how the audit process works. Okay. 
So it's very much underway. Um, and we see no problem with getting all of that done in time for the September network upgrade, which hopefully will be much less, I don't know, much less perceived to be much less contentious since Bulletproofs well, are pretty fantastic. And once we have confidence that they've been done correctly, then I think it'll be an easy move forward to greatly shrink future transaction sizes. That's that. Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure there's not a single person here who is not not excited about bulletproofs. Uh, yeah, I know I know it's something that we had really hoped to get out in in March, um, but you know we kind of took a step back and realized that this is it's pretty new technology, and as kind of the we're kind of the ones pioneering this as part of a deployed coin. So I want to make sure it gets done correctly, and audits are part of that. Yeah. So right. If anyone if anyone here is a is not in favor of bulletproofs, please raise your hand because I'd love to hear any argument you have for why. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, think... basically, basically transactions are gonna be way smaller. We've gotten verification times uh, to be faster. So we're not as concerned about kind of the proof formulation time since, you know, everyone basically all nodes verify um, that all transactions are done correctly, but you only have to do the proof once per transaction. And even then, um, we're still seeing pretty good times on that. Yeah, so uh, I, I know there's there's recent research from like the Matthew Green and some of his students on how they could uh, have better verification time and ver better size for transactions with ring size great ring sizes greater than ten. Um, do you think that we're with bulletproofs that it's reasonable that we could get ring sizes greater than ten? Uh, in order to take advantage of these sort of improvements, or do you still think that's several years out and most likely to even get away with ring signature entirely before you want to? Well, well, well. Range range proofs are independent of ring signatures, since I mean, ring signatures deal with with um, doing inputs, and range proofs are done on a per output basis, um, and we can aggregate the output proofs together in a few different ways. Um, such that we can make things a lot smaller and increase speeds. And the verification time can also be done in batches. So it's really what we're doing is we're, we're basically, we're taking kind of the space that we had before and this is how much space everything takes up and this is how much time it takes to verify. And we're greatly shrinking down the future space constraints and we're doing a pretty good job of shrinking down the time constraints. So, you know, I think part of the idea is saying, well, could we use some of that extra time to do improvements on, on increasing ring signatures? So really, that's kind of the trade-off. It's not that bulletproofs themselves let us do better ring signatures, but the thought is that they open up some space and time to do them. Um, and again, there's arguments for whether or not we should be basically always taking that space and time that we have and filling it to the max. That's something that still needs to be discussed, as is the idea of, you know, are there better schemes that we can use for ring signatures that let us, for example, scale logarithmically? So we're not just talking about, you know, seven to nine, but maybe we're talking about you know, five to a hundred or a thousand, for example. And there's there's a big difference in those. And that's something that we're always looking into. But as of right now, bulletproofs are the first set for this. Yeah, bulletproofs are the easy win in every single category. So if you take advantage they, of that. They are, and, and they also offer a lot more possibilities too. So besides just being able to do range proofs, you can do a lot of things with generalized arithmetic circuits. And that lets you do a lot of a lot of interesting verification of computations and zero knowledge. And we haven't fully, I mean, we're exploring what we can do with that, but that's that's in general not been fully explored. So zero knowledge proofs with a bulletproof don't scale as well as, for example, ZK snarks. So 
So that's why everyone not just immediately jumping on doing everything with a bulletproof. But there is still active research going on as to how we can extend that to do other things in Monero with zero knowledge. Yeah, we, we we thank you, you guys at the Monero Research Lab. We know you're you're on top of reading those papers, and and it's an exciting time for cryptography. You know, because we do have things like Starks and Snarks and Bulletproofs that are all, you know, new and and doing exciting stuff, uh, better and more efficiently. And uh, so everyone, everyone watching, and everyone here should be should be very supportive and thankful to the Monero Research Lab for all the work that they do. Thank you guys ever so much. We read papers, so you don't have to. I don't know. You know what? There's so many other things that you can make that sound like Stark or Snark. Someday we'll have ZK Sharks, and then we'll use those. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thanks again, Starring, so much for that. Uh, so we'll just yeah. to make sure that they get a voice in, uh, I'm going to call on Alex uh, from Local Monero. He had some great conversation last time. Uh, welcome to the chat, Alex. Can you just very briefly introduce yourself? And if there's anything you want to get in about the previous discussion we've had, uh, make sure to let us know. Looks like we, we're getting, you know, we're not getting any audio. Man, connection issues everywhere today. Yeah, goodness. Um, so, Alex, uh, we're having some issues reaching you, uh, but let us know when you. Uh, it's, it's I, I think it's something on your local end because it looks like your connection looks okay from my end. Um, it's just that your audio isn't. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll come back to you. Um, so, Scott, do you have anything you want to add or address? Um, not really. I mean, my, my I guess, even though we're kind of going away from ASICs, my main issue with ASICs and the common law is just the secretive nature of it. Like, I, w I wouldn't have as much of an issue with ASICs as, as um, kind of Rayroar said if they were commoditized and it was easy for everyone to have them but we're not even at that point and we have manufacturing companies that are I mean we'll see what the, the scope is but they basically kind of behind everyone's backs are using products that no one else has access to. that's just kind of my quick word for this thing, I guess. okay yeah thanks so much um, yeah, as you pointed out, if you have an ASIC, ideally you would monopolize as much as possible and not tell people about it. Um, I mean, maybe Bitmain uh, was hoping that by keeping things secret, because they were, if you look at the hash rate, it's pretty clear that it, it's highly likely that they were mining in secret for some time, uh, that they had hoped you would continue with our CryptoNet algorithm and they would deploy it. So I uh, Seth, uh, do you have anything that you want to talk about based off of um, what we we've talked about today, or anything else you want to ask? Um, yeah, you've know, got like a little short list of bullet points that I can just uh, run through real quick here. That uh, it's what uh, Ricardo had a, a couple great uh, kind of underappreciated tweets about the uh, uh, the uh, 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 anti-ASIC. Um, you're hard for, and I just you're just you're pointing out a couple of those that I think a lot of folks don't realize that just kind of the, the kryptonite uh, algorithm 
like just uh, isn't uh, uh, you're unlike you're just kind of different from a lot of other kind of uh, ASIC uh, considerations where they just uh, you know, where uh, you know, where you're just kind of uniquely you know permitting ASICs with Kryptonite just basically doesn't work uh, and you're just you're just kind of a little bit different. Uh, Kind of like you know, running through the uh, uh, bullet points here, uh, and while you know, while it seems like you know, and to um, like Diego's point about you know, eventually the goal being um, to permit ASICs and you know that kind of uh, being ideal in the in the in the very long term, you know, it seems you know, it seems kind of far off that ASICs would be commoditized and everyone would have them, but like the um, you know, eventually you know, really the cost is just in the the is in the development and you know, over time you know enough people will you know uh, you know that technology will be there um, you know for some algorithms and then the actual cost to build each individual ASIC will be low enough that you know that can be uh, fairly widespread and you know uh, uh, you know people the ASICs won't actually be that expensive and uh, uh, lots of folks um, will, will have them and then you know a, a question that I had was about the uh, uh, kind of the uh, lightning uh, plus temple bit, uh, kind of enabling maximal privacy. I didn't really uh, kind of, uh, I just kind of wonder if there's um, color there, you know, as far as kind of how that, um, you know, how that would work. I understand that's kind of a, you know, a long-term uh, thing as well. Um, okay, Serang, do you want me to do the best I can to answer this or do you want to, you want to take this one? Um, you should go ahead. I actually stepped away for a second to grab a charger, so I only caught the very tail end of that. So I could give you the tail end of an answer, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll start first then. Um, this was, the, the question was, how could Monero potentially take advantage of, um, of Lightning and Tumblebit for potentially greater privacy than Monero offers? So Ricardo mentioned in a tweet that he had a few days or weeks ago uh, that in order to have theoretically maximum privacy as we know right now, you would have Tumblebit and uh, Lightning Network that settled on Monero's core chain that used CT. And so Lightning Network is uh, Lightning Network is beneficial because it allows people to communicate without making a direct on-chain transaction. And if you're familiar with Tumblebit, um, you can think of Tumblebit as like a Mixer 2.0 is kind of the best way to explain it. So you have uh, like you originally, I guess, maybe 3.0. So you had your initial centralized uh, mixing services where someone ran a website and said, send money to this and we'll send it back. And then you had the more decentralized version, yet you still had a centralized party that was chosen at random, but you had CoinJoin, which did the same sort of process, but at least created a market with join market for you to do that uh, with by just connecting to other peers. And then you have Tumblebit, which completely changes the way that this sort of mixing is process is done, but the effect is similar. Uh, whereas with CoinJoin, it basically takes a lot of inputs and in one transaction sends a bunch of outputs to several others. So you can still know like the value of these inputs, uh, the amount, uh, which is a, a critical issue of join market. Uh, and uh, you can still kind of see how they're associated with each other. And more, most importantly though, the one server that is handling this process knows where all these outputs are going because they need to assign them. Uh, when you have CT in the mix, as you would have with Grin with uh, with CoinJoin, then that reduces the concern 
from an outsider perspective because you can no longer see the amounts of these outputs, which is really important. However, you still have the issue where the entity still handles where these outputs go. They still know this information. With uh, Tumblebit, they have a different way of actually handling this data. Uh, I cannot address it in extreme detail, unfortunately, uh, because I, I only know a little bit about how Tumblebit works on the technical level. But it means that in order for the server that handles this data to learn anything about what information they're handling, they need to collude with the other participants. So they would need to collude with the sender or receiver in order to learn some information about what data they're handling. And in a transaction that is at least less likely than if they just knew that information outright. And so um, if you send this over several several tumble rounds or several tumbles, uh, I'm not sure if that's the term they're really using in their community. Um, if not, then I just made it. Um, and so that, that way you sort of have uh, a, a more off-chain record. So it's not as permanent of a record and it's easier to use uh, Lightning or Tumblebit without everyone in the world knowing necessarily that you did that. And then when you do want to eventually settle on the Monero core chain, you could still settle with the current advantages that we have, most notably CT, confidential transactions so that people would not know the amounts of these inputs being transacted in these sort of situations. Did I explain that relatively well, Serang? Um, yeah, I would say that's that's, that's probably pretty good. Um, and in terms of like the scalability of, of off-chain solutions, I mean, part of the problem that I've kind of always had philosophically with them is, is the idea that, that I guess so there's, there's a lot less control about, control's not the right word for that. Um, I would say that on-chain solutions are in, on proof of work are in general better understood from an attack perspective and from a security perspective. And I guess I've, I've always been in favor of the idea that keeping things on-chain, you know, gives us the security and privacy guarantees that we at least can understand. I mean, but again, that's kind of from just a big, vague philosophical perspective. And I mean, personally, from my perspective, and this isn't necessarily the position of everyone um, who works in the research lab, I mean, I, I look toward things like graph-based non-chain solutions that are still technically on-chain or on-graph as, as kind of like my hope for, I guess, a more scalable future, you know, besides a lot of other perhaps off-chain solutions. Um, and they're not really ready for prime time yet. And there's a lot of projects out there making big grandiose claims about graph structures that I don't think are really borne out in security proofs at this point. Um, so I guess from a scalability perspective, I, I've always been much more in favor of that because that still gives us well understood kind of attack surfaces and protections against those attack surfaces. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk slightly about uh, Spectre? I, I haven't heard uh, a lot about that since the initial uh, announcement that you guys were considering as a thing for a DAG-based uh, scaling proposal. Yeah, so I mean, saying we're considering it is more of like we consider everything until we have a good understanding of if it's going to work correctly or not. So um, Spectre is Spectre is a consensus a consensus mechanism that uses a directed acyclic graph, which is a bigger generalization of of a blockchain. And really, what that introduces is the ability to have a block reference, not just the previous block, which gives you a nice chain and an easy consensus mechanism of the longest chain wins to a more complex graph-based solution where it's no longer clear, you know, who has the longest graph because it doesn't necessarily make sense anymore. So a block can reference many other blocks and the goal is to have kind of good connectivity in the resulting graph structure. And the way it works in Spectre at least is that blocks themselves, pairs of blocks end up voting, 
using this complex voting mechanism that's bizarrely recursive on consistency and ordering of transactions. And it's, it's much more complex, but the nice thing is there are good proofs of security for it. The downside is that the scalability of how you end up doing these, these voting mechanisms isn't quite where we want it to be yet. The nice thing is it's, you know, the, the, the option would be there if we had a good graph consensus mechanism to do it in one of our scheduled network upgrades, because a blockchain is technically a DAG. It's just a very, very simple one. So a good voting consensus mechanism on a graph should reduce down to the chain case for, for older transactions, for example. And the idea being that you would get, you could increase your trend, you know, basically decrease the block arrival time um, and increase what transactions you're able to do in a certain amount of time in a way that does give you good 51% security. So that's kind of the slightly vague version of it. And there's alternative methods. There's one um, called Phantom by the, uh, by the same authors who did Spectre. And I can't remember, I think they were out of, I wanna say Princeton, but I think that's wrong. But anyway, it's, um, it's the same cryptography research group that did Phantom. And Phantom uses a bit different solution that involves um, kind of different, uh, different sub-graph connectivity mechanisms. Um, and it's a little bit different than Spectre. There's been proposals by them to kind of do a hybrid between Spectre and Phantom, um, but that's still not terribly well understood. But it does show us that there are graph-based solutions out there that aren't full of crap and that do have solid research and analysis behind them um, that still maintain a block structure, which is good. That's kind of what we want. That would eventually scale if we can get some of the algorithms working the way we want to. Okay. So I would say we've definitely not ruled it out, um, but the scalability is such that we can't just start deploying it yet. Great. Thank you, Saram. Okay, thank you everyone. Uh, so is, uh, let's do a quick check. Okay, so uh, for the sake of time, I know there's another meeting people wanna have right after this. Uh, so for the sake of time, I think we're gonna wrap this up. So thank you everyone who joined us in the coffee chat uh, on YouTube. Um, I hope that this is uh, enjoyable for you to watch. We had a large number of people join us today. I'm sorry that we had some issues at the beginning with some of the recording. Uh, I didn't. Unfortunately, Jitsi is not working, so it looks like we need to consider making our own self-hosted version of it. I, I'm literally taking a screen capture of this on my computer and then re-uploading it so you can see why it's, it's not the best. But I hope it still worked out for everyone. Um, you know, what we do is we make everything work. And it's still better than the first time, uh, the first meeting. Uh, and we had a lot of people here, so I'm so glad that we had it. Does anyone else want to have some final closing remarks? Okay. Well, if that's the case, um, thank you everyone for joining us. Um, I really appreciate that you made everyone here made the time to speak with us. I hope to speak with you all next month. And again, thanks to everyone for joining us in this chat. So uh, see you later. Bye.